0: One, two, three. We are mothers and we are
1: rising.
0: We are children. We are compromising. We are
2: mothers and we are rising. We are children. A lot of what I say relates to me being a parent, which I sometimes think is a bit of a cop out where I'm a bit like. Well, I'm done, so I'm just going to impart wisdom to the next generation because what can I do now? We are mothers and our hearts are breaking. It's our children that you are forsaking. We are
3: mothers.
4: That song was written by Chris O'Challen and sung by Chris O'Challen and her sister Alexia O'Chellin and they kindly gave me permission to use it on this podcast after I came across it online and I thought that just fits perfectly for this episode, Uh, doesn't it? Yeah? You going to say anything or are you just going to nod at the microphone? Yeah, you're going to nod at the microphone. They can't hear that. This would be a good moment to speak up. do not speak on demand, mummy. Okay, fair enough. I made this podcast while I was at home with my baby and my toddler. If you're lucky, you can occasionally hear them playing or snoring in the background. I managed to record 100 conversations about the climate emergency around naps, feeding and nursery pickups. But my children have been really present throughout the project. They're central to the motivations behind it and the journey that I've taken with it. I've picked out and edited together the parts of those hundred conversations which have really stayed with me, and I want to share them with you. In this episode, I've brought together ideas about adults raising children and children raising adults. It takes a village. Here we go.
2: Yeah, it will be a very. We're trying to encourage the toys to take public transportation, so we're building a really good. Trade infrastructure around the living room.
4: Yeah. Trying to
2: discourage the dinosaurs from taking cars. And it's going to be a ride big one. It's tough, isn't it, because you raise children to not run out into the road in front of a car, and you raise them to not stick their fingers into a socket, and not to drink poison, and all of these sorts of things. We spend so much time and effort trying to keep them safe. And yet, the thing that is least safe in the world is rolling on in lots of people's lives,
4: and they're doing nothing about it. So, for me in my own journey, something is changing, and it's tangible, and it's practical, and it's interesting. The world, I'm not sure if I can save it.
5: <laughs> but I think that's part of it—is like almost like the realizing that you, you can't do that on your own.
4: Yeah. So, and actually, also yourself with the other stuff it makes it more possible for you to do it as part of a collective action. Or, but it's also maybe about the realization that maybe we actually can't, and coming to terms with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is difficult. Um, and I'm not sure I'm there yet, but it's that's um, yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a thing.
5: I think that must be, like, um, maybe this isn't, maybe it's not a nice thing, but a particularly difficult thing for parents.
4: Yeah, it is.
5: Like, because, yeah, I think, yeah, that's when it becomes hardest when I think about the children in my life. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) What about you guys? What have we done? Yeah.
4: I feel like I can face. For me, if it was just me, but there 's something about mother that has made me feel differently about it,
6: yeah, well, your mother and father, who I know well, felt the same about you and your brother when you were little
1: you 're still here
6: they 're always still on the road, but I understand the concern too. For- been spending quite a lot of time with friends who've had who have young children and mum was actually hosting a conversation uh, here in somerset with just mums from the street who care about climate change and are and want to talk about parenting uh, and so there, there's a lot of conversations about how we communicate things with children and um how we support them and also how we deal how we deal with our own sense of despair or regret or having not done enough or that holiday that I took the other year or all of those things that, um, are kind of uh, projected onto these incredibly open and uh, curious and like hopeful beings, you know, um, There's
7: something even more weighted with having having children, and then kind of worrying for their future as well. And yeah, I don't. So I'm trying to get my sort of my spirit back a little bit with it.
4: My children are still quite young, and I'm making choices for them about what they eat, and where, and how we get around. Choices that are a wee bit different from most families around us. I wonder what that's going to be like as they get older. I was interested in other people's experiences of environmentally minded parenting.
2: If you'd like something, we have to sell or give away something in the house, which with a three-year-old has been really interesting. And actually he has, and so as part of that, this has become like this bigger conversation where, because he wants a scooter and he currently has two bikes. it's like, this isn't interesting, but he has like a kind of, A balance bike and a pedal bike and the pedal bike's a bit rubbish so we're like well you can have a scooter if we get rid of the pedal bike and then it was like and then it led to a bigger conversation about actually why it's really important to have second-hand stuff and most of his stuff is second-hand but also what charity shops do and how some people don't have as much stuff as us and then this has led on to this like we're just talking more and more about the news And about, like, so sometimes, you know, he's been in a lot of protests, he knows, like, that I don't like Donald Trump. But um, as part of this kind of really micro transaction in our household, we're having these, like, bigger conversations about why some people don't have as much as we do. And, you know what, life isn't quite fair. So because we're really lucky in lots of ways, we do what we can to make it fairer. And then um, that kind of goes for the environment. And that ties in a lot with how the world is going to be in the future. And so it's really, it's been really interesting on this like totally micro little scale. But, and I realised that's actually had an impact when he was recently offered some toys and he was like, yeah, I don't need those. And I was like, you know what, if I achieve nothing else, getting somebody in the next generation to go, I just, I don't need as much stuff. That is a positive thing, right? It was one example, and I definitely had a lot of stuff. But I was like, slowly, slowly, but surely. We just, and it's not like a depriving thing. It's just uh appreciating what you have thing.
5: My son's very used to it because he's been brought up with it. Um, and he knows that there are certain things that's just not going to happen. He's away at university now, so if he wants to eat junk food and go to various, fast food places that's on him but he knows that if he comes from here and he says just for example I want to go to McDonald's he knows he's going to get laughed at because that's just not going to happen I'm lucky that he's not into like fast fashion or anything he's more like oh is it practical I'll wear it he doesn't care whether it costs like 500 pounds or five pounds you
4: tell me your tips for parenting ecological parenting then
5: Um, perseverance is a big one and I think not giving in to peer pressure and just explaining to your child that okay that might be fine for so and so or his family but that's not how we do it leading by example because there's no point me saying uh, to my son like for example a big thing was uh, we boycotted anything from wrestling Um, there's a uh, baby Milk Action Group, and they've had a worldwide boycott on Nestle for, for years. And if I was to say to my son, "No, we're not buying those sweets because they're Nestle," and then you know, a week later he sees me sneaking one, that's that's no good. So if you make a rule, I think sticking to it is a big one. Um, and also, there is nothing wrong with buying second-hand clothes or second-hand toys, um, an in hand-me-downs
0: tell you what ravi keeps me and nick on the straight and narrow with palm oil it's brilliant i mean he is crumbling a bit because at the moment he's, he's developed this lightness for cadbury's twirls right and he can't quite stop himself from getting the occasional twirl because it's his favorite chocolate but he is absolutely vigilant in shops and will not let us buy anything to do with palm oil he's he's, he's been conditioned to not go in which i got from my mum actually so that's interesting that's come right down
6: because she was vigilant about Nestle when I was a kid. My dad, you know, was an environmentalist and he, mm. he believed in, in, the, in the concept of ecosystems and he, he really introduced my brother and I to how ecosystems operate by, by getting us outside, by providing us with educational experiences to interact with the natural world as part of the natural world, rather than, uh, you know, separated from it. Um, so that that has been a huge impact upon my behavior and upon my choices, and uh, and upon how I how I view myself uh, as a living being. Um, and then, you know, much more recently, uh, when I when I lived in Kenya. Um, I really got a chance to, and then also when I was living up in Boston in more urban environments, because I mostly grew up in rural ones, I just became much more aware of of what my dad was really talking about in terms of of, uh, how humans, you know, are, are, again, part of the, the natural world, not something that is separated from it. And a lot of times in these urban places when you're around, other folks who haven't been raised in those sort of ecosystem mind minded uh, orientations, they, they're just consuming products and consuming um, resources uh, without any thought or maybe even ability to realise what it is that they're doing in the long run through their habits.
4: A lot of my climates were interested in how we talk with younger people about the climate crisis. Here's the perspective of some of my younger climates.
3: And one of the things, because I've taken geography um, and we're currently doing malaria, and I didn't, I've did not i only learned about this recently, that because of, it's not something you need to think about, but because of the way the temperature is changing, um, malaria is strictly sort of along, like in between the tropics of cancer and god I can't remember the other one (laughs) probably should because I'm having a test coming up soon but anyway (laughs) uh, um, it's sort of along that middle sort of line um, along the sort of equator but um, because it's the ideal um, thing because malaria is spread through a specific type of mosquito, specifically the female and Um, the Anopheles mosquito, and it's the pregnant woman, female um, mosquitoes, who spread malaria. But as the temperature is changing in so many places, it's gradually going to start spreading out away from the equator so that we could have malaria in Scotland um, in the future at some point, because suddenly these mosquitoes can live there. Can live here because it's the right conditions and so I think I didn't realize that this was a thing I didn't realize oh it's not just the way the environment's changing it's that diseases that haven't been anywhere near us can suddenly affect us like do you feel like it's a right to scare children about this or
4: do you think we should have done a better job of protecting you from the facts
0: well, I know, I don't think, no, no facts should be protected to any child. Um, it's very important that the message is put out there and people get really get the idea in their head that this is a serious matter. Maybe, want adults, to reassure children that what they're doing is, what they're doing is, you know, is, is a lot of the time it will make a change um and children really need that to motivate them and push them
4: through and yeah okay i'm going to reassure you i'm changing i'm changing my life how I live. i'm doing it, everything i can yeah and i mean that actually so that's good i hope that helps but i'll i'll see if i can get lots of other people on board as well because it's going to be important
0: Absolutely people can come in for talks to to discuss the matter and yeah, I just think maybe like experts and people who are very passionate about the uh, crisis just to come in and do, it doesn't even have to be for a while, it could just be 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just talk about what's happening and what we can do to make a difference. I think it would be good.
4: And do you think that we should shelter children from some of the harsher aspects?
0: Well, I think it's a, it's almost like a coming-of-age thing, because you wouldn't tell your two-year-old daughter all about it, because one, they probably wouldn't understand, and two, it's, it's something that, it comes more the reality the more you grow up, because the closer you get to, like, so I'm in secondary school, and so now that I've been from S1 to S2, it's just getting a wee bit closer to when I actually finished school, and that's just coming a wee bit more of a reality over a space of time. So, I think like about the best age would be, yeah, like P6, 7, secondary school, just so you could suddenly understand what you're actually talking about, rather than chatting about to a bunch of P1s. I mean, sure, some might understand, but I'm not sure they'd understand the scale of it.
4: This is Harper. Harper has been watching Blue Planet.
0: Cold. And there was a scene where it was walruses, and the, since it, the waves were coming in more and more rapidly, they were actually climbing. They were actually climbing, like scaling 50 foot cliffs and stuff like that, to get away from the water. But it just kept coming up and coming up. And then they had to get down, and it was just a horrible scene of them trying to get down and it was just awful and it was it really affected my view on it after that yeah
4: sorry that that is that sounds horrible to watch Mm -hmm. that's going to stick with you right
0: uh yeah yeah i was with my mum, so it was fine but it was just it was so horrible to watch that it really just put it into perspective of course,
4: many of the young people have been striking, and I spoke to lots of people about that. The school strikes have been a real inspiration to me, and we featured some of these conversations in episode one. And I'm interested in where that goes next. How are we talking about it, adults and young people? They are you
1: know, they're, they're really engaged, and I'm very pleased to say that their new head teacher at school, she's doing their terms topic from now till Christmas, is all about our... Um, our, our common world and so they're doing a lot of it all of a sudden they're doing a lot of it at school which is really great
4: when did yes, you start talking really, to your kids about it well um it was hard because at first I was really nervous and scared because I was feeling
1: so nervous and scared and then I realized I started talking about some things and it would come out like just all terrifying a bit doomsday and stuff and i was like right i need to rein that in because nobody wants to hear that let alone a child um but at the same time i don't want to pretend it's not a massive problem and an emergency because you know i want them to be as fired up and as you know they need to demand more from us adults who've not done enough you know i also think you can kind of focus in on some of the small things with with kids you know like the like they're very into um trying to avoid plastics and they you know they try and do their best to do this and that these things won't change the structure but they are really important they're all it all leads in but also i just think as well just just talking about sort of justice and fairness
2: it's when it comes up but i don't we don't sort of sit around the table and have big big conversations about it Another, another way we do it is like we are trying to cut down our meat consumption, so I'll say, you know, we're not having, we're, we're only having, Mummy's only bought two meat things this week.
4: What are the professionals saying about it? I was lucky to speak with Emily, Artistic Director of Ecodrama, who's a company that makes children's shows and creative learning projects that embed sustainability and ecology at the heart of the experience and also Youth Empowerer Ben, I hope you like the title Ben, and Catherine, a biology teacher, about their experiences of conversations with young people about it.
7: Um, I had a little mug um, that when you poured hot water into it, the mug had a print of the world on on it. And when you poured hot water in, parts of the, the coastline began to disappear. And so I sort of used that as a way to demonstrate what global warming meant this is the most science i ever got and i noticed a little boy i I did this workshop generally for sort of p4 to seven and i noticed a little boy his lips just beginning to quiver and he looked absolutely mortified and I, i was about to cry when when i sort of demonstrated this and i just came away thinking that that's not right this is this isn't the way to to do this i think we talk a lot about this In the company just about at what point do you present statistics that are kind of overwhelming almost like when you you hear stuff about um in in nine years time you're talking about catastrophic kind of things happening or sea levels rising or these kind of things i think generally try and avoid for anything age p7 down and at primary level it's more about um nurturing the connection to nature so inspiring qualities of, of wonder and curiosity, and and um, care for the natural world. And if you you build on these foundations, and build that love for wildlife and for for trees and plants and whatever it is that your your theme is, that that's surely got to be a way in towards building on that in their teenage years, and. If you've got that love there because if they have no connection with it then how can they, they even begin to, to care for it Um. so I, I guess that's with our kind of early years focus and sort of early primary that's what we've been trying to do. I feel like the focus of our work has has moved away from anything like that just to kind of try, try and engage, engage the heart more rather than um, fear because <laughs> sometimes these things can feel so overwhelming
4: But there is a responsibility that we have to speak truth as well, which is emotional. And I I was speaking to Lily on this podcast, she was 17, and she was saying that she she studied, you know, human, is it called like um, food science and technology or something like this at school? And they they learned 16 different ways to chop an onion. Ah. But they didn't learn any truths about farming practices and modern farming practices mm, in terms yeah. of the, the horrors of animal welfare and the way that, yeah. um, yeah. you know, the Amazon's being cleared for soy yeah. production that feeds cows and the environmental yeah. impact of meat versus... And like, yeah. none of that was covered?
6: Yeah, so there's a responsibility there indeed. And so, So what I'm working on this summer is to set up a project... This is kind of what I'm thinking about is to work in secondary schools and do a lunch club in schools where there are individuals who feel really engaged um, that would be led, the the content would be led by them, but it would have an empowerment angle. Um, And it would be like a 10 week lunch club where they could come along and there would be kind of stuff around climate change and the facts. But um, most of my work is actually around um, youth empowerment um, through storytelling or um, just very, very broad stroke um, mentoring and supporting young people and, uh, and to hold a space where they can feel like their voice matters um, because if you just give the facts, like I said this already, if you just give the facts and, and the avenue for putting that energy somewhere, then um, there's nowhere it can go other than um, like depression, anxiety or deep, deep denial. And I don't know how, I do not, I, I need to speak to more 14, 15, 16 year olds who are sat sitting exams with the knowledge that the system that they are being spoon fed into is just like, is denying the facts of, how, of the massive dangers we're facing. I mean, without, so they're, they're devoting their lives to passing, their, they have no choice, but to get through this system but it makes no sense in so many ways <laughs> it's yeah. quite this is quite radical to say for some people i'm sure but
4: and they'll let you into a school at lunchtime
6: <laughs> I, know, I know i know well i probably wouldn't frame it quite like that but just to kind of uh, help people to f- help young people to feel like there's an avenue for their um concern and um even if that's just a space to talk about how afraid they are and essentially it would be a pilot where they would then create resources to, to train other schools up to lead these kinds of um, things.
8: In my class this year there's some kids who were like they really wanted to do something about the carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere and they wanted to explore which variety of moss or grass or algae were better at absorbing CO2 than another. You know and that came from their interest in the environment and i was like that's brilliant let's do it let's find a way of making that happen and then there was another student who wanted to look at um the bioluminescence of dinoflagellates wow <laughs> um yeah kids sometimes really blow me away in terms of like i will i will always admit when i don't know something because i can then go find out about it i don't like to lie and off and, and make up something you know so when the student told me about his interest in that I was like well okay I know a little bit <laughs> well let's go see what we can do about this and he came up with a project where he's going to look at how the um the bioluminescence of these like microscopic algae may be affected by the volume of co2 in the water you know as a and kind I of that indicator quite, yeah exactly so i i just when students talk to me about stuff like that that really inspires me then because i want to support them in that project and like exploring it with them I like stuff too so um i know they're not they're not like activists they're not out striking they're in school they're uh learning but they're learning trying to find solutions which i think is really quite admirable
4: A couple of my climates connected up ideas about our disconnection in society with the opportunity for babies to develop connectedness with those really important early years when little humans and new parents are first formed.
5: Parents are only given a certain length of time off work because the capitalist system dictates that they have to be back in production as it were after a sense you know, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, at least one parent should be given at least the first five to six years of a child's life off. But I, I do think if we look more at mental health and proper work-life balance, not what a lot of companies say, oh, we care about work-health uh, and balance, I think people are, are working themselves so hard and they're so tired all the time, because of work that probably isn't very inspirational, but they can't afford not to be doing the work. Um, Whereas if we were paying, if everyone received maybe the living wage, and everyone could work five or six hours a week less, I think you would see
7: a huge difference, even in, in family and children,
5: you know, being able to spend that, more, that bit more time together as a family.
4: There was a really interesting bit about gender and climate change with Rachel, who's done a bit of research into that. Um, they ask so about
1: all different types of things about living in Bristol, but they have a section on the environment and, environment and sustainability. And, um, and they have, so the four questions that I focused on, Are one. Are you concerned about climate change? And then, you know, are you using less energy
7: in your house because of climate change? Are you recycling? Are you creating less waste because
1: of concern about climate change? Uh, You know, these kind of things. And women, um, for since the survey began, like 18 years ago, women have always been more concerned than men, or people who identify as women anyway. In the survey, have always been more concerned than men about climate change, and. Are more likely to take action to change something about their daily lives um, because of that concern. So I was sort of looking at why that might be, and why, um, and the fact that th- that kind of indicates that gender is is an issue in in sustainability and should be addressed. But there's a whole um, there's a whole field of research called sustainability transitions research, and it's all about transitioning and and cities trying to transition to a more um, carbon neutral future and such like and a lot of it's about infrastructure and and energy use and all this kind of stuff and there's so much research and like hardly any of it um, touches on gender which I think is so fascinating if you know one group has more of a concern and is more likely to make a shift in their behaviour I'm just really interested that there's not been more research done on that I think that's it's just kind of fascinating um, I mean it, it just kind of exemplifies the whole sort of um, you know like the sort of male led male led research groups and male led technologies and there's various different um, ideas behind it which are
7: like one of the biggest ones is perception of risk women tend to perceive risk
1: more because they are um, uh they are a more at-risk group um obviously that includes i'm talking here predominantly about white men not men of color or um and and, and tend to be of a higher class as well but and um and then just gender socialization as well that um we, you know we're so obsessed with gender in our cultures <laughs> and we like to tell girls how to be girls and boys how to be boys and that will have an influence as well on, on um, characteristics if you like about concern and whether or not um, you should
7: be the sort of affection if you like mm-hmm. socialization and then the, another thing that was quite interesting is that men tend to um, put more
1: um, faith in technical fixes for things whereas women tend to prefer mitigating at source. So um, men are more interested in sort of like recycling projects and great technology for recycling, whereas women are more likely to just reuse something, which I think is really interesting and something that should really be honed in on. Because I think uh, with all of our sort of climate activism, the method you know, I think the message of recycling is really out there, which is wonderful, but we need to just reuse before we recycle and we need to consume less we can't just keep going as we are and get an amazing technical fix we need to look at the source you know what should be going on is offering all parents four day weeks so that you know they've got a day each week to focus on their housework and you know or their family life or their you know all these things that we need um but instead it's just like upping the ante the whole time so Really, all we've done is make it much harder for ourselves because we're trying to fit in a job as well as all those other things. And then there's the the wonderful mum guilt that comes that you're not doing enough this that next thing. And then add on top of that the eco guilt where you're like, oh no, I just bought all this plastic again. But of course, you've got to feed your family and you've got to feed them before ten o'clock at night. So it happens, you know serious restructuring of our approach to and, and, and what's reasonable I think we just need to slow our lives down a lot yeah I don't know I have you heard of um, just before I go the, yeah. the um, podcast Mothers of Invention no I can highly recommend it it's a, it's a great podcast it's called yeah. Mothers of Invention and I love it because it's, um, it's all about climate issues but it's also really kind of uplifting and it's also funny. <laughs> so, okay, that's
4: brilliant. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. I
1: like I like to recommend that to people because <laughs> I feel like it, it deals with really difficult issues, but actually you feel good when you listen to it, which I think is important. So
2: but yeah, oh and another thing that happened because of this podcast. But I wrote something! Slightly. Like, okay, it's called B. The world used to be so big. One day it shrank to the size of your tiny feet. It now fits in the pauses which you added to my days. I used to live for views of mountains and valleys stretched before my eyes, into sunsets I would never reach, maps with rivers twisting around my stomach pulled tight by how much I would never see. Yesterday, we spent 20 minutes looking at a flowering bush. Crunched bombs on pavement gravel. Look at the bee, look at the bee, look, look at the bee. Is that a bee? What's it doing? Getting nectar, love to go back to the hive. It's so busy. Yes, she's busy, love. The flowers are pretty. I hope the bee likes flowers. Me too, love. I hope she has a sense of the beauty of her tasks. Part of a bigger picture she might never really know, love. And then we leave, back to be fed again. (laughs) <laughs>
4: oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I don't write poems, but it was very fun writing it, and it was definitely inspired by you and
2: made me feel like I uh, helped get my creative brain back in gear. So, thank you, Hazel.
4: Thank you, Shan. Thank you, all my climates. This podcast featured Shan, Claire, Maddie, Geraldine, Alistair, Ben, Emily, Anne, Naroshni, uh, Aaron, Nicola, Red, Harper, Rachel, Catherine, Derek and me, Hazel. So thank you for listening to it. If you've enjoyed the podcast and you can tell your friends or share a link to it on social media or leave me a nice review, that would be amazing.
0: Thank you. Bye. Bye.
2: Anything
0: else you want to say? I love you. I love you too.
4: (laughs) (laughs) In the next episode, I'm asking how we can reconnect with nature. I hope you can
8: join us. You want to change the world, you can't stand by. Just so you just see a no know, man, it
0: starts the inside. You gotta stop stumbling and dark nails. it Podcast.
8: That was good. <laughs> <laughs>